Welcome to the Go Find Out Podcast. I'm Jennifer Jelliff Russell, author, speaker, and entrepreneur, bringing you actionable ideas and interviews with awesome women to help you pursue your dreams and achieve your goals. You can find more episodes of the Go Find Out Podcast by visiting gofindoutpodcast.com. Enjoy the show and go find out. Welcome to the Go Find Out Podcast, episode number 13. On today's episode, I'll be interviewing tattoo artist Annie Lloyd. Annie is the owner and operator of the high-end tattoo shop Get Fat Brooklyn. In this interview, Annie will talk about her experience of getting started in the tattoo industry and what hurdles she ran into while breaking into the industry. She'll also discuss what it was like going from working in someone else's tattoo shop to starting her own shop in New York. Before we get to Annie, though, let's jump into my personal update. So my house is currently overrun with mice, you guys. Um, My husband and I were joking last year that our pest problem here in Maine was mosquitoes, black flies, and deer flies last year, which all hatched simultaneously. This year, our pests are definitely mice. I seriously woke up the other night to a mouse like scritching at the outside of the wall about a foot from my side of the bed, which was just not not cool. Not cool, mouse. When we first actually moved into this house, there was like a week or two where my husband Jason was away. And of course, that's when I had to deal with a snake in the house and it had like slithered across the kitchen and underneath the cabinet that we rarely used. And I was kind of like, okay, that's your cabinet now, snake. That's yours. And I got to tell you guys, I would much rather deal with a snake in the house than dealing with mice because here in Maine, we don't tend to have venomous snakes. So they're just, they're just little guys and they eat the mice. So please come back, snake. That would be wonderful. Come back to our house. And the snake never woke me up in the middle of the night being all creepy. Ah, farm living. On the writing front, I have started writing the third book in the Artemis Necklace series. I am tentatively naming it Go Magic Yourself because why not? And I am trying to kind of stick to doing about 1500 words per day. If you guys would like to help keep me accountable to that, you can definitely tweet me at GFO Podcast to hold me to that. Definitely will make me keep writing every day if you guys give me a hard time. This weekend, my husband and I did a virtual 5K, which benefited the Green Beret Foundation. We actually signed up for the in-person race, but decided that even though Maine's like COVID-19 cases are pretty low, we didn't really want to travel outside our normal areas and then be around a ton of other people who were potentially traveling in across the state. Also, simultaneously for that same day, we set up an unofficial 6K run for our extended family to kind of all do like on the same day and then get like a t-shirt for it. I don't think that's cheating if we do two races at the same time, right? No, totally. It's fine. I have to say it was really nice to have a run to look forward to. Uh, I hadn't really been running lately, and I think that's probably why I am not really training for anything. So I don't feel, you know, the incentive to kind of run. I usually have a run that I'm training for. And see, before I kind of thought that it was like a waste of money to pay for virtual races unless the money was going to like a charity because like you wouldn't be running against other people in the race. Not that I'm ever going to win. I'm a very slow runner, but still like I just couldn't see the point of virtual races. But now I'm really thinking that I might sign up for some longer races. Before COVID-19, I had been considering signing up for the main half marathon again in Portland because I did that a couple of years ago and I really just really loved it. 
And then last year we did the MDI half marathon. Well, Jason did the full marathon and that actually goes right through Acadia National Park. And those both occur around the October timeframe. And they're really fun. I had planned on signing up for at least one of them this year, but with COVID-19, I, I still don't really feel comfortable, you know, running in like a crowd of people. And I know that they're implementing like social distancing measures, but we're, I'm just not there yet uh, feeling comfortable with being around a ton of other people. So maybe I will hold off on doing those until next year. And by the way, if you're a runner and you travel for runs or if you live in Maine, and you're looking at signing up for some runs in the future, I really can't recommend the Maine Marathon or MDI Marathon enough. Like they were super great. I've only ever done the half ones with those ones, but I thought they were really well organized, especially with the Maine Marathon. It was just really cool to have people like lining roadways, cheering you for you. And like you run past random bands every so often playing different kinds of music. It's just very motivational. And not that it's super important, but I was really impressed by the swag bags that the Maine Marathon offered, like the bag itself was, you know, like a reusable bag and, you know, had like the logo for the main marathon. So that was really cool. And then just like the stuff inside was just really cool too. So super impressed by that. So if you are thinking about signing up for a race in the next year or two, I, I highly recommend signing up for the main marathon in Portland. So all of that is to say that I think I'm going to go ahead and start signing up for a couple of virtual runs, maybe a 10K for September and a virtual half marathon for October. I don't know which half marathon I'm going to sign up for virtually in October yet, but I think I'm going to sign up for the DC Wonder Woman 10K in September because it just sounds really cool. It's like 40 bucks to sign up, but it looks like you get some pretty cool swag. And I really do think it'll help me stay motivated to keep working out. Um, to me, that's cheaper than, you know, having a gym membership. So I think I will sign up for that and I will let you guys know how it goes. If you guys want to sign up for the DC Wonder Woman 10K, I'll drop a link in the notes and you guys can sign up and let me know how your training goes. You can tweet me at GFO Podcast. All right, guys, enough about me and my mouse problems and my running endeavors. <laughs> On to the interview with Annie Lloyd. On today's episode, I'll be interviewing tattoo artist Annie Lloyd. Annie is the owner and operator of the high-end tattoo shop Get Fat Brooklyn, and she is frequently booked out months in advance due to her highly popular artistic style and professionalism. Welcome to the show, Annie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, super excited to have you here. I love some tattoos. I only have one, but I have ideas of what my next one's going to be. So I'm, I'm super stoked. Eventually, I'm going to get my ass in gear and get the next one. Amazing. I feel like it's, a, it's kind of rare to only have one. I feel like usually when people get one, they become sort of addicted. That's true. I don't know if mine count. I mean, it counts, but it's one of those little baby ones that is like everybody gets it. It's like the infinity sign. Yeah. So my next one's going to be like a real tattoo that's larger and fun. <laughs> Not to say that anybody who has an infinity sign that you don't have a real tattoo, but you know. <laughs> They're all real. They all count. That's right. Exactly. So actually, Annie, can you actually tell me a little bit about yourself? Uh, absolutely. I am I'm 41 years old. I've been in New York for close to 20 years now. I've been tattooing for about 17 years, I'd say. And I live in Brooklyn. I have a little dog. Yeah, I, I feel like that's me in a nutshell, really. So you started 17 years ago, you started tattooing. Did you have to do like any training for that or? I did. I had an apprenticeship. So before I moved to New York, I had lived in California for a while. Hmm. And I, I looked for an apprenticeship while I was in California and was having a really hard time with it. I was definitely being um, sort of judged for being a very young woman. I'm also hmm. sort of like a butch identifying lesbian. Uh, and I did not fit into sort of like the niche group of people that were 
starting to tattoo at the time. And so when I moved to New York, I, I just sort of stumbled upon an apprenticeship that I was really lucky to find. It was with a really amazing woman who had been tattooing for several years before that. Uh, so I had an apprenticeship for, it, it took me about three years. A tattoo apprenticeship usually entails sort of like a, a trade situation where I worked for free, basically, in return, I was taught how to tattoo. And I was lucky enough to work in what was at the time one of like the sort of highest end tattoo shops in New York. Mm. Uh, so that was a really wonderful experience. It was trying, uh, but wonderful. Yeah, that's awesome. When did you actually first start thinking about becoming a tattoo artist? I got my first tattoo right after I had turned 18 years old. And at the time, I lived in Massachusetts and tattooing was still illegal in Massachusetts. What? Uh, yeah, it has. It, tattooing's only been legal in New York City since 1996. What? I had no idea. Yeah. That's crazy. And I mean, many people were tattooing for, you know, it was almost like a prohibition of tattooing for many years. And, and people still tattooed, but it was very much underground for a long time. Uh, so it became legal in New York City in 1996. And I, I don't think it became legal in Massachusetts until like the early 2000s, like 2004 or five, I want to say. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. Yeah. So when I got my first tattoo, I had to drive to Connecticut to get it because I lived in Massachusetts. And I got a very teeny tiny tattoo. Ani DeFranco was sort of my idol at the time. So I got a tattoo that mimicked one of hers, which is extremely dorky. <laughs> um, and as soon as I got that tattoo, I kind of, I just fell in love with like the entire experience, like the indelible part of, of that art form and just everything from start to finish. I, I really loved the process of it. And I knew it was something I was interested in being involved in. Hmm. And had you always like been into creating art in other ways? Absolutely, but I am not formally trained in any sort of art for the most part. I mean, really, the extent of my art classes before my apprenticeship were probably like elementary school art classes. Gotcha. But I've always loved to draw. I've always been very much a perfectionist when it comes to my whatever I put on paper. I, I thought for a while when I was a small child that I maybe wanted to be an architect. So I'm very much into like symmetry and clean line work. And so that really, it, it translates well in tattooing. Hmm. And kind of both of those industries, you kind of have to see the image in your head. Do you find that's kind of how you work, see it in your head and then kind of create it? Um, my my business now is much more client-based where I it's more like what they see in their head and hmm. then I try and create it for them. Oh, wow. Which can be more challenging, it seems, because then you have to match what they are trying to get. Absolutely. It's definitely, um, it's it's much, tattooing is much more than just creating the tattoo. It's, it's almost like you're people's therapist at times because a lot of people's tattoos have like a deep emotional meaning for them. And so there's, there's almost kind of, um, um, people think like... The, um, you had said that you only have one tattoo and that it's small, but sometimes the smallest tattoos are the most meaningful for people. Mm, that's true. You mentioned kind of one person that, that you really liked her style. Did you have any other like specific like mentors that you aspired to emulate, but of course with your own flair? I certainly, I mean, really right now, a great tool for tattooing or anybody who wants to become a tattoo artist is Instagram because you can find people all over the world who are doing all different styles and many of them will take videos of themselves tattooing or of themselves drawing so you can get more of a sense of what their process is. Mm. So I right now have many idols who I've never even met before. They're just people who 
I've like kind of religiously followed their artwork online for a while. Mm. But when I was first starting out, I worked at a shop that was called New York Adorn, which is not open anymore, unfortunately. And at the time it had some of the best tattooers in New York. So the woman who was the one who really like opened the door for me had just been hired to work there. And that brought me into this family of tattooers who had very different styles, very different personalities. And I was just, I was lucky enough to be influenced by sort of all of them at the same time. Nice. Uh, So one thing that I'm known for, which is a little bit rare in like the current climate of tattooing is that I'll do almost anything. Uh, And most people have like a very specific genre that they work within, but I'm sort of like a jack of all trades in the tattoo world. I mean, that definitely opens you up for a lot more clientele. Absolutely. And so it kind of still feels like, you know, getting a tattoo can be taboo for some people. Did you, you know, when you first started thinking about becoming a tattoo artist, did you get pushback when you told people that that's what you wanted to do? I was really lucky that no, I didn't really. I have a very supportive family. I've always also been a bit of like a rebel, I guess. (laughs) like very pre-tattooing. So I don't think it was much of a surprise. I have my mom, but like raised four daughters on her own and has always been my largest cheerleader and support system. And what stands out most to me is when I told her that I had found an apprenticeship and she doesn't have very much money at all. She like came and picked me up and took me to the art store and was like, just pick out what you need, like get what you need. How can I help you? So yeah, for me, no, there wasn't much pushback, but I do know that for a lot of people there are. I think that also tattooing is kind of losing the negative stigma that was behind it for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I would attribute a lot of that to the fact that there have been reality shows about tattooing on television. So I think that when people can see something in their living room on their TV, it feels more socially acceptable. So just in the last couple of decades, it went from being that you were looked at as sort of like a criminal for having tattoos, where now it's almost uh, like couture. I'm also I'm speaking from somebody in the like the heart of New York City. Right. And so I think that when you leave this little bubble, that's not necessarily the case everywhere. Yeah. And I think you kind of answered my my next question there a little bit. In the arts world, this is really your your main entry into the arts world is being a tattoo artist. Absolutely. So do you rub elbows with artists in any other area, if that makes sense? And if so, is it still like taboo to be a tattoo artist when you talk to other artists who are not in the tattoo industry? I mean, it really depends on who you talk to. I come across people who are extremely thankful, grateful for this industry and who it's, it's become an industry where, I mean, If you get celebrity clients, people will fly you out on their personal jet to tattoo them before their show. Um, But then there's also, there are tattooers who really, who went to school to be, let's say a sculptor or a fine artist of some sort who have had a hard time breaking into that area or industry. And so they'll sort of fall back on tattooing to supplement their income in the meantime. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to each their own. And as long as you still appreciate the art form you're doing while you're doing it, that's fine. I have run into people here and there who sort of look at tattooing still as like the underbelly of art, but you know, to each their own. We all have our own opinions. Hmm. It's funny that it's viewed that way. It's unfortunate that it's viewed that way, I should say, because you would think in such a craft that people are coming to you to get a permanent piece of art from you with your flair, with your style. So you would think that'd be like the highest form (laughs) of art possible, right? Right. Um, Since they're going to have it forever. I I definitely think about it in that way. I I love tattooing in a way where it, it is 
entirely personal. Even when somebody's getting a tattoo that's just sort of like a joke to them, it's still, it's, it's very intimate. It's very personal. You get to know these people really well in a very short amount of time. A lot of my closest friends right now I met from tattooing. They were clients before friends. So yeah, I, I, I believe that tattooing is high art. Yeah, absolutely. So you did an apprenticeship in California, and then you eventually you went to New York and you worked for some other shops. And now you've opened a high-end tattoo shop called Get Fat Brooklyn. So first, I have to ask, what's the meaning behind the name? It really just means enjoy yourself. Oh, okay. Uh, getting tattooed is sort of like entirely unnecessary. <laughs> like it's not an essential thing that that needs to happen when you get tattooed it's something that's very personal that you're doing for yourself it's common for humans to be sort of constantly thinking about other people and doing things for other people and there's sort of nothing more personal than getting a tattoo so get fat is just like go have a cheeseburger go get a tattoo indulge okay and when you were first opening the tattoo shop did you have any like major fears absolutely um especially in new york city it's it's rare for small businesses to make it very long in new york city i had worked very comfortably for about five years at a really well-established shop not far from where i am now so leaving there was a huge risk and i i was extremely busy at that time. I was booked out for about a year and a half. So I knew I had a really loyal clientele, but I wasn't totally sure if my clientele was coming just for me or coming to the shop that I was working at. And it was really flattering to learn that they were coming for me when I moved my business. Not only did just as well, it actually grew from there. It was definitely a very scary thing to do, but I would recommend it to anyone. Like, I guess I should backtrack from part of my reason for opening the shop was tattooing is very much like still like a boys club. And the shop that I worked at had a bunch of really great men who were great friends and I loved them. But when you got them all in a room together, it kind of felt like you were in a frat house. And so I wanted to open a space that felt really comfortable to people who are a little more sensitive and not like necessarily part of that tattoo culture. So so it just felt like you were coming into somebody's living room where you were welcomed and we've gotten a, a great response from it. So that's awesome. And and it seems like, you know, if it's such a I guess we'll say intimate experience that is, you know, the client is kind of open and potentially raw and, and by that I mean emotionally raw, when they're there in the shop, then you do want it to be a open and welcoming environment then. Absolutely. And I mean not only emotionally raw, but, but physically exposed as well. True. And in pain. And it's just, there's a lot that goes on. Even occasionally somebody who's coming for a tattoo that they don't realize is that emotional to them will, sometimes people will cry, not from pain, but from like something that's released within them when they get their tattoo. So it's, it's just, it's very intimate. It's very personal. People become very vulnerable when they're getting tattooed. And so I like to make the environment welcoming so that they can feel comfortable while vulnerable. What would you say has been your biggest challenge in running your shop or being a tattoo artist in general? It can be a little emotionally draining because you are dealing with so many different characters and personalities and emotions and sometimes multiple people in one day. So you really have to leave your own baggage at the door, but still be receptive enough to make people comfortable. So that's certainly challenging. Um, but I would say as far as having my own business, the most challenging part is that I am more of an artist at the administrative side 
um, like not being able to get my computer to work the way that I want it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's a little bit tough to kind of do everything on my own, which I actually don't anymore. I have a wonderful woman who tattoos here who was my apprentice, but she's now tattooing here. And then I also have a current apprentice who both of them are extremely helpful. So that's awesome. And it sounds like, you know, by having your own apprentices now that you can do that, it's it's almost like you're able to kind of give back and provide those opportunities that you didn't feel like you had before. 100%. Uh, the, The people who I have chosen to take on as apprentices have kind of fallen into my life when I needed them most and didn't even realize. Uh, and so not only have I given them or one of them I'm currently giving the skill of tattooing, which I feel like is priceless, uh, but they have helped me tremendously, not only with the business, but just in like hard times in my life in general. I'm super thankful for both of them. Mm, that's awesome. What habits do you feel that you have that have helped you to become a better tattoo artist or a better shop owner? I am extremely responsible, I feel. So as far as being a shop owner, it's not like because I'm my own boss, I just do what I want when I want. I still treat the shop as if the shop itself is my boss. So here constantly, even when I'm not working, I'm here tending to my plants. And I'm also a little bit OCD, I would say, and that helps me in tattooing where I just, I, I care very much about the entire process from start to finish. It, like As soon as somebody sends an email, whether or not they'll end up being a client, I want them to feel really welcome. I want them to feel like it's a safe space where they can get a tattoo or if they're not going to get a tattoo where they can ask questions. I, I think that part of what has made me so successful is that I'm not just a good, clean tattooer. I make people feel welcome and appreciated. I think that really it's the whole package. Which is huge. I mean, then you'll have repeat clients potentially, or they'll talk about how amazing the experience was for them with with their friends who might want a tattoo. Absolutely. I mean, really, one thing that I have not ever really done is advertise. The extent of my advertising is really Instagram, social media, um, just posting pictures of what I've done. And Almost every email that I get from a new client says, oh my God, I was out in a bar and I saw this tattoo and this person said I had to go to you or my best friend has tattoos from you. It's, it's almost always a referral and it's been that way for my whole career. And really your art is your marketing because it's literally, you know, people are walking around with your art on their body. <laughs> so yeah. then people ask about it. That's awesome. Yeah. What do you feel that you would have missed out on had you not pursued being a tattoo artist? <laughs> That's sort of a loaded question. I was extremely active academic when I was younger and sort of lived in a small town and strayed a bit and started like smoking weed at a young age and and not going to school as much as I should have. And that sort of led to me having a bit of a recluse life and which led me into tattooing. I'm not suggesting that if I could go back, I would change any of that. But I do have times where I wish that I had like focused on studying a bit more and pursued some of my dreams as a younger person, like being an architect. But, you know, I feel like no matter who you ask what they're doing, the grass is kind of greener. So there are things that like, if I had it to do over, I wouldn't necessarily change what I've done. But if I had multiple chances and could do all sorts of different things, then yeah, there are some other things that I would have done in life, but it's never too late. Exactly. And what advice would you give to any listeners who are interested in pursuing a career as a tattoo artist? Just don't give up. It's all about persistence. I think that the the field has changed a lot recently where with social media and things like that, you can 
you don't even necessarily need to have an apprenticeship. There's people talk about like stick and poke artists or um, scratchers. We used to call them back in the day where people who didn't know how to tattoo would just pick up a tattoo machine and start trying to teach themselves, which used to be really, really discouraged. But now Mm. it's sort of become like the norm for younger people because it is really hard to find an apprenticeship. But I guess my advice would be if you're in any kind of position where you can find an apprenticeship, try to. Because it's not just about applying a tattoo. There's a lot of history to it. There's a lot of there's a lot to be learned by being around some of the older school people. And don't get me wrong, a lot of them are total scumbags. So I'm not suggesting that you put yourself in an abusive situation. But if you can find a shop that will treat you like a human and teach you some of like the history and, and where this all came from, then do it. It's worth it. We're in this sort of weird time right now where there's a divide between kind of the old school guys who've been in it for a long time, who, in my opinion, a lot of them are not really like the best artists anymore, but they hold on to this, like, it's almost like a mafioso feeling of like their world. But so some of the newer people who are coming into tattooing are just like learning from YouTube, ordering machines online. Uh, tattooing their friends or tattooing themselves and that's fine and that's great and there's some really good artists doing that but I think if you're able to find a situation in a shop where you're not going to be abused in any way it's definitely worth the experience of kind of putting in the time and from my own experience it makes tattooing more of a long-term career and not just something that you're dabbling in for a moment. It seems like there's not I mean, obviously, the artistic side is huge. It's a huge portion of tattooing, but also the, like you said, the the admin side, the customer service side, that there's a lot more than just putting ink on somebody. 100%. I mean, it's it's so much more. I would say that the artistry is really less than 50% of what you do as a tattooer. You're, you're almost like a social worker in some ways. And not everybody. I mean, it's all different personalities. But in my opinion, to be a really great tattooer, you have to be so much more than just an artist. Uh, one thing that I've found as well is that not everyone who's an artist is cut out to be a tattooer. It's fairly common for people who consider themselves to be fine artists to try and get into tattooing and not make it as a tattooer. And I think that part of the reason why is because learning how to tattoo, especially if you lived your life feeling that you're pretty competent as an artist, when you try and tattoo, more often than not, it feels like you're using your weak hand. Like if you're right-handed, it feels like you're trying to draw with your left hand. Because it's such a foreign, the medium you're working on, skin is so different from any other canvas you could imagine. The machines, the old school machines that we use are really heavy. The newer ones are not so heavy. They feel more like a pen or a marker, which does make it a little bit easier. But it's, it's not for everybody. But if you have a passion for it, pursue it, keep trying, it gets easier, you'll see progress. It's just, it's all about repetition. Are there any methods that you've used to sort of um, continue your your personal professional development? Like, do you, you know, when we're not in the middle of a pandemic, do you go to like conferences or anything else like that to, you know, continue your tattoo education, if you will? Unfortunately, no, I don't go to many conferences and there are a lot of them. Uh, I watch a lot of stuff on the internet because I feel like that's where all of like the up and coming. One thing that I've found is that some of my favorite newer artists are coming out of like Russia, South Korea. Really? Really young kids who uh, I feel like are maybe just a little more disciplined than Americans who are really like putting the time in to teach themselves. I mean, I feel like the way that I continue my education is that I, I try not to be a curmudgeon in the tattoo world, even though I've, even though I've been doing this for a while. Where So the, the kind of tattoo machines 
that I normally use that have been around for a long time are called coil machines. Okay. And they're basically almost like the original engravers that I believe Edison invented. What? Oh. And so it, they've definitely morphed over the years. People have tried to make them better, perfect them. And just really in the last like decade or so, people have gone back to rotary tattoo machines, which instead of working on a magnet, it works like in rotation. It's a little hard to explain, especially when I can't do it visually. So anyways, um, sort of like the new wave of tattooing are rotary machines or hybrid machines, which work differently than the ones that I learned how to use on. Uh, so instead of just being like, no, this is, this is what I know, this is what I'm going to stick to, when the kids these days are doing <laughs> things, I always try and like experiment with what they're using to see like, is this better than what I've always used? Uh, like, what is the draw to it? And I will say that most of the time I end up going back to my roots mm. and using those older school methods. It's just what works better for me. Mm. But I try and not, um, if you look at some of these like old school tattoo guys, even their current tattoos look really dated. And I try and avoid that in my own work. No, and your, your work is really fun. I mean, your work covers such a span, like you were saying, of different um, looks. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it, it keeps life interesting. I, I, I follow some tattooers who I really admire their work. But stylistically, that all of the tattoos are so similar that I, I wonder sometimes, like, do they get bored? Mm. But it's probably a little easier to operate that way, too, I would imagine. No shade. Of course, yeah. Everybody seems to have their own style. And now, do you have any tattoos? I have many, many, many tattoos. I'm fairly covered in tattoos. I've, I've still got some, some open realty, but not that much. Mm. And do you have a, a favorite one? Oh, that's that's a tough question. I You know, I don't think I do. I have many that I love. I have uh, my two pups, one of which is not with me anymore, tattooed on the inside of my knees. So they're kind of like together all the time. I love those. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I kind of love them all. Even I have some really terrible tattoos <laughs> as far as like artistically or like the, how well they were executed. Mm. But some of those terrible ones are kind of my favorite ones. I, you know, I would have to say probably some of my favorite tattoos is when I opened up Get Fat I did it mostly by myself. Uh, my partner, she really was the one who kind of inspired me to leave where I was working before. And she was the one who first came and looked at the spot that Get Fat is in. She was very, very helpful in the opening of the shop. And like our core group of friends helped, came and helped paint and just really like sweat labor. Um, and when we finally got everything set up and opening day was the next day we had a little bit of a party I tattooed get fat Brooklyn on everybody who had helped there were maybe like seven people and then that day I let all of them tattoo me and none of them were tattoo artists oh wow that's so awesome and very brave yeah I have a bunch of tattoos from people who aren't tattooers so they're pretty janky but I love them <laughs> and I do have to add on top of that my mom who again I said in the beginning of the interview was extremely supportive mm -hmm. My mom is not somebody who I think would have ever gotten a tattoo in her life. Um, it's not something, it's not like I come from a family where people have tattoos. Actually, nobody in my family really had any tattoos. And after I had been tattooing for a few years, my mom told me that she wanted a tattoo. So I gave her one. I've now given her, I think, three or maybe four. Oh, wow. She, she's into it now. Yeah. And really not because she's that into tattooing. It's just her way of showing like the ultimate support to me, which is priceless uh, but she has also given me a tattoo so we have a matching one that I gave her and she gave me so oh, that's really cool I would so maybe that one's my favorite 
And do you have a favorite style of tattoo that you give to others? I love to tattoo in realistic black and gray. I, I love to do color as well, but I would say that my favorite thing to do is probably celebrity portraits. Really? Because I enjoy tattooing so much that I would rather spend the time on on skin than on illustrating. So it's not that I mind illustrating, but I love to just take a photograph of, and not, you know, I, I said celebrity portraits, but really it could even be like a photograph of an old school screwdriver. And to just take that and turn it into a, a very realistic, soft, gray tattoo. That's my favorite. Nice. And so where can people follow you or maybe book an appointment with you? Uh, the best way to book an appointment is really just to email. So the email is annieloydtattoo at gmail.com. It's A-N-N-I-E-L-L-O-Y-D-T-A-T-T-O-O at gmail.com. Uh, the best place to see my work is really just on my Instagram, which is get fat BK and fat is spelled uh, F-A-T. Perfect. And I'll make sure to drop those links in the show notes as well for you guys. And do you have any tattoos that you're going to be getting for yourself? Uh, actually, my apprentice, Jess, who's awesome and should be here any moment now, is uh, has not tattooed at all. So pre-quarantine, she was just kind of starting to practice. Mm. And then obviously that kind of fell off. And for four months, we weren't able to come into the shop at all. Uh, So we've been back for the last couple of weeks and she drew up a little New York City COVID tattoo for me that she's going to, one day this week, she's going to tattoo it on me. It's actually another question I wanted to ask. Are you guys back open now? We are. We've been open since I think July 6th. Yeah, we were in phase three of New York City's reopening. Uh, So yes, we're we're reopened. Everything has changed a bit where we don't take any kind of walk-ins. We don't have a waiting room. The thing is in the in a tattoo shop that's run properly it's already such a sterile environment that we didn't really have to change all that much post lockdown yeah so we're open we're just doing kind of limited capacity everything by appointment only but we've pretty much always been that way well thank you so much for coming on the show today annie thank you so much for having me it was really wonderful to uh cyber meet you So this interview with Annie was really fun and interesting. I've always enjoyed looking at tattoos online, and I've been looking at a lot more lately as I decide what my next tattoo would be. I only have one right now, as I mentioned in the interview. It's just a little broken infinity sign, and I would really like something larger on my arm. And honestly, like my my end goal is I would love to have a sleeve of tattoos. So I I don't know why, but I just think that's really cool. So maybe someday. I think it's so mind-blowing that tattooing was illegal in some states until so recently. So just for your information, the last date to legalize tattooing was Oklahoma in 2006. 2006, you guys. (laughs) And something Andy mentioned is that it seems that seeing tattooing in the mainstream like media has helped to make it a little bit less like galvanizing to have a tattoo. In the employment services industry, which I worked in for several years before switching to becoming a creative entrepreneur, I definitely found myself recommending to my mostly veteran clients that they should cover up their tattoos using like long sleeve shirts. Because like even today, tattoos are just still not well received in the workplace. There's still that stigma that someone with tattoos will be rebellious and a troublemaker, right? Which is kind of a ridiculous mindset. It's kind of right up there with, you know, thinking that women who dye their hair in quote unquote unnatural colors will be difficult. Which, on a side note, you know, is code for asks too many questions. It's like having tattoos or pink hair is actually going to affect your ability to do your job. 
But I digress. So another thing that Annie said, which I wanted to kind of circle back around to, was that tattooing is a high art, not just because of the artistry of the tattoos, which of course, you know, obviously is important, but also because the permanent art piece draws on a deep level of emotions for the client. Even as Annie said, if the tattoo is just for like a joke, there seems to be a deeper meaning for that person. And the act of getting a tattoo actually opens the client up to being vulnerable to the tattoo artist. It's also one of the only art forms where you actually commission a piece from the artist and then watch them create the piece from start to finish. Yes, you, the client, have to make yourself vulnerable to the tattoo artist, but it seems that the artist is also in a vulnerable position as they are creating art right before your eyes. Okay, I'm getting a little away from the go find out aspect of the show, but I just wanted to point that out for those who think that tattooing isn't as quote unquote artistic as say creating an oil painting that hangs in a museum. So the last thing that I thought was really cool was when Annie talked about continuing to try new styles of tattoos or that she likes to try out new tattoo guns as they're developed. She might not end up using other guns or she might not love the new style of tattoo that she's tried out, but at least she tries them, right? And she doesn't have to. She could honestly probably continue to run a popular shop without trying any new things out, but instead she continues to challenge herself by testing out new techniques and styles. I really think that that kind of drive is what sets apart those who are masters of their craft. They don't have to keep learning, but learning is part of why they love what they do and and kind of what fuels their passion for it. So listeners, what are you passionate about learning about? What keeps you up at night falling down the rabbit hole of YouTube to watch videos about? Tweet me at GFO Podcast to let me know what you're currently passionate about. All right, that's all I've got for today. Thanks for listening, and I hope that you guys enjoyed today's show. And if you did enjoy the show, let me know by leaving me a review. Until next time, go find out. Thanks for listening to the show today. I hope you found the information beneficial and that it helps you tackle your own Go Find Out goals. You can find more episodes and the show transcripts at gofindoutpodcast.com. You can also let me know what you thought of the show by tweeting me at gfopodcast or follow me on Instagram at gofindoutpodcast. That's it for today. Now go find out.